I'm your host, Dave Knox, and this is Predicting the Turn, a show that helps business leaders meet their industry's inevitable disruption head on. Welcome to another episode of Predicting the Turn. Today, we're going to sit down to learn about Buffalo Wings and Rings with President and CEO Nader Masada. Nader, welcome to the show. Hello. Thank you for having me on the show. So I want to start with the journey that you've had in the restaurant industry and how that ultimately led you to the being one of the owners and the, the CEO of Buffalo Wings and Rings. What was your first experience in the industry and where did Buffalo Wings and Rings start fitting into that? So my first uh, time in the, in the restaurant business was actually uh, my first job uh, in high school. I was uh, working at Burger King. My uncle was a manager there and looking for a job. I was 15 years old and he says, hey, come work here. And So I worked with him. I actually started doing uh, dishes. I was the dishwasher. And from there, I continued to work in high school. Once I graduated um, high school and went to college, I continued to work in the fast food industry, did a couple of years at Taco Bell. And then my dad got into the restaurant business, uh, bought a franchise, a uh, local franchise, Gold Star Chili. So I was working with him as well throughout college. So it's been in my blood since my high school days. And then when my dad sold his Gold Star, found an opportunity to buy a franchise, Buffalo Wings and Rings in Milford, Ohio. And at that time, I was uh, graduated from uh, college and working in the corporate world. Uh, so helped him get that uh, purchase uh, underway and, and get that business going. And I started really enjoying it more than uh, than the corporate world and uh, decided to say, hey, just is this business for sale? I approached the owner at that time of the franchise and I said, are you interested in selling the business? And she was at that time, she was getting ready to retire and it was only a handful of locations, maybe four of them that were existing. So in 2005, with a couple of partners that I approached, put the group together, put the deal together and, and bought Buffalo Wings and Rings in 2005 with uh, you know four locations or so and grew it up to this point. Uh, we're in the uh, 80 plus locations globally. That's awesome. So when you started in that uh, 2004, 2005, what was the situation with the brand, the consistency across those locations, the menu? What, what did you have to start and clean up initially? Pretty much everything. There was nothing existing. There was no, it wasn't even a consistent menu. They were all operating as an independent restaurant pretty much. Uh, what we bought was a name and some operations manual and, and some recipes, and, and that was it. Nobody was paying royalties. Nobody was uh, adhering to any rules, regulations, or, or branding. Um, so we had to start pretty much fresh looking into the brand, what it stands for, what it could stand for, where is the consumer, where is the market headed. We knew there was a good uh, segment being in the wing business, sports bar, sports restaurants, but we had to sort of uh, decide what is our take on that piece. And from day one, we decided it's going to be the, the family piece, the more less manly piece and, and focused on food, quality of food. And that was our take on it. And then we started uh, driving everything towards that, that goal. So if you look over the last you know 15 years of being the owner and CEO for the business, how have you evolved the brand and what's been those big milestones over the course of that, that time period? It's been several, actually, and then they go along with, uh, we call them the, the generations of restaurants. So what we bought, we call it Generation 1. Was, so immediately we started working on Generation 2, which is uh, a consistent look and feel of, of the 
the space and the separation. It's funny when I look at the, the journey, it's early on in 05, it's, it's, the big thing was the separation of bar and dining room. That's how you would have a balance between having a sports bar and having a, a family dining. Um, so that was our take on it. And uh, then that thing evolved to more, hey, listen, people are more comfortable now coming to these places and, and having to be with their family and kids. They want to feel in the dining room, but they also want to look over and see the bar and feel that energy from the bar, but not be in the bar. So the evolution for, for Generation 3 became, okay, it's all one big space with bar on one side, dining room on the other side, and you feel comfortable sitting anywhere. Uh, it was not an issue. And since then, again, it, it, things have evolved even more, and now we're in the Generation 4 uh, that we're going to try to launch uh, next month. What are going to be those big changes for that Generation 4 concept? So Generation 4 was driven mostly with the millennial guys um, thinking totally different about the experience and, and what they want out of restaurants. So when we ask them, what, what do you want? Um, they say, we want different experiences. So one day I am with my wife and kids. I want to sit down and, and have a normal traditional meal. Somebody delivers a menu, somebody take my order. But sometimes, hey, I'm with my, my friends and I just want to hang out and not be bothered by anybody. And, and we were losing those occasions to somewhere else, uh, mostly to, to the breweries and, and some of those other places that are more of a hangout place. So I started thinking, okay, what, what can we do to capture that, that side of the business and try to give them a customized experience? So it's not the same experience everywhere in a restaurant. And alongside next to us parallel was the growth of the off-premise. People consuming food outside of the restaurants is this whole carry-out, pickup, delivery, catering was growing exponentially uh, next to us. So how do you capture that piece? So we looked at all of these elements and we said, okay, that's gonna be the G3 model where you walk in, you get a choice of experience. You want your traditional experience with a dining room and a menu and a server, great. Then you can have another experience by the bar where it's actually a self-service, something different and unique to have that two different experiences within the same four walls. You can order through your app, uh, food will get delivered to you and you don't have to talk to a server or anybody else. Through the use of technology, you can do a call a server, pay at the table, all of these abilities you will have. And at the same time, okay, we, for, to address the off-premise, we created a, a, we're calling it a valet pickup where you can pull with your car, be a canopy, be a closed area, and then somebody would come out to your car, put the food in there, and then off you go. So you don't have to come into the restaurant or, or be bothered by uh, leaving your kids or dog or anything in the car. You can just pull up, food will be put in your car, and then off you go. So those are sort of the new changes that we're, we're gonna be testing with our G4 model. That's great. So one of the things that's been really important to your model over the year has been partnerships. You know, here in Cincinnati, you made a big splash with the Paul Brown Stadium and having an outpost in the stadium, official sponsorship. How do you think about partnerships and that role with you as a physical presence? So partnerships to us start with the value equation. Do the partners believe in what we believe in? So if the values are the same, then that is the first filter. Then we look at the business model. Does it fit in our business model or not? Uh, obviously, a sports arena fits well with a sports bar, sports restaurant concept well. So those are the partnerships that we choose. Uh, and then the last one is, is the localization. Is We're local Cincinnati and we're a sports in the sports business. Why not partner with those guys? So most of our partnerships have been with, with those three in mind. And that's why we have a partnership with the Reds now uh, starting this year. Last year, we partnered with 
University of Cincinnati. So we have a location there in their uh, basketball uh, arena. And then uh, next, we uh, have a partnership with FCC also, and we will have a physical location at the new stadium. Um, so we've been pretty consistent as far as partnerships that are Cincinnati-based, uh, believe in what we believe in, and they're related to sports. And how often are those partnerships ones that you reach out or people that are reaching out to you because of the presence and the atmosphere you've created? Most of them have been people that reached out to us. And then uh, we create the marketing partnership and the physical location partnership, which works out well. We, we, we push their business, they push our business, and, and it works good for, for all involved. So we were talking about, you know, the last six months obviously have been tough for the restaurant industry to say the least. How have you had to evolve the model of the business? How have you worked with the franchisees to get through it? And how are you just kind of thinking about where things are headed? You know, I'm, I'm sure, not surprised to anybody a pandemic hit that nobody was expecting. So it's sort of the unexpected. You can plan all you want for things, but sometimes you just get hit with something that just was not expected. What I always tell people, the, the pandemic really did not change our business model much. All it did is put on steroids. It sort of speeded up things that we were working on already. So if you think of the off-premise carry-out piece of business, that's been growing for a number of years. And what happened now is just went on, on steroids. It just quickly grew because you really can't come into the restaurants. So what we did is we speeded up, for example, contactless pickup, a curbside pickup enhancing online ordering. Safety sanitation has always been big in the restaurant business anyway, so really there wasn't a whole lot of need to do anything different, obviously other than abiding with the state rules of masks and, and, and uh, gloves and whatever is, is, is necessary, the six feet separation, the capacity pieces. We brought our menu down some so we can uh, manage inventory better. And then the menu has to evolve in a way that is going to work best for carry out delivery. Um, so if, you're, if a menu item doesn't fit well with that piece, it needs to be taken off a menu. So those are some of the things that we've, we've made changes. We jumped on it quickly because we were already working on it and we had plans, to be honest, in, in the background with the G4, which helped us be a little bit ahead of everybody else. Talent is a big part of predicting the turn. And as we talk about talent, I wanted to mention one of our sponsors, Hunt Club. Imagine the power of the best marketers in the world helping you to find your next marketing leader. That's the power of Hunt Club. Hunt Club is a new category of talent company that powers the network of experts, connectors, and business leaders to help you find the best talent. Let's face it, recruiting hasn't changed with the times. Hunt Club is changing the recruiting game by leveraging technology and crowdsource referrals to find you the best people possible for your company. Stop paying job boards that don't work or recruiting firms that recycle the same active candidates. Partner with Hunt Club. So like every industry, technology is uh, changing those industries. And it's not something restaurants really had to deal with before. You know, outside of your POS system, that was about the only technology that needed to be in it. How have you thought about that rise of technology and how do you work with your franchise franchisees to get them to implement new technology to enable something like delivery and carry out and everything else? Uh, technology is, is always tough on people. Change is tough in general. And uh, the way we view it is, is what is what is our consumers expecting all of us to deliver? And so that's really the first question. It's not about the franchisee. It's not about the franchise or to be honest. It's about the customer and what they need. And, uh, 
And that's been in the background as well. The use of technology to help us deliver a better experience is a win-win for everybody. A win for the restaurants, saving on the labor, a win for the consumer, it gets them what they need. Um, so it's a win-win for everybody. Uh, now, you can, be, you can choose to be a technology-focused company that has a restaurant below it, or it's a restaurant that uses a technology. We, we chose to be the latter. We're, we're going to use a technology to help enhance our business. We're not going to be in a technology business, meaning that the technology is going to lead everything we do. So from that perspective, we were already working on our technology platform. And funny enough, while everybody else was cutting down on spending money when the pandemic hit, we've actually increased our spending in the technology to speed it up uh, as far as delivering it to the consumer in the marketplace. Mm -hmm. We were planning on revamping our app next year. We've decided to pull that back in and get it done this year to meet this changes that came to us basically because of the pandemic. So our new platform will, will include a new POS with a new app that, that you're able to order um, online through it. It'll alert you when the food is ready. It'll tell you where, where the food is at, and you're able to use it inside the restaurant to order food, pay for your meals, split a check, call a server. Um, so there's a lot of pieces under that technology um, that's going to be coming out to, to the consumer. Along at the technology at the store level, we're launching a new POS system that the franchise location and as well the the servers are going to be using a tablet where they take the order at the table and saves them a lot of steps and, and, and that same tablet they can use it to pay at the table or take the orders and, and cash people out, uh, split checks, give them receipts. Two things, one, it speeds up the service time and it also cuts down on labor. Um, so it should be a win-win for, for all. No, that's great. So one of the things we were talking about before we started recording was, you know, the aspect of brand and how's brand really play into the restaurant industry. It's some that a lot of your you know, peers don't really pay that much attention to and don't realize all the things that are layered in a brand. How has brand really played important to uh, your change of this business over the last 15 years? Brand is extremely important. That's one of the first pieces you really have to look at when starting a new restaurant or a business or anything for that matter. To show you how critical brand was to us, uh, the, the CEO prior to me, I've only been CEO for the last six years, we had a branding expert be our CEO for, for four or five years mm -hmm. just to get everybody aligned on, on the branding and how critical that is. The problem with branding is that it's not you can't show it to somebody say, oh, this is the brand. It's something you feel, something you hear. It, it just kind of a, it puts a picture together, but you really can't pinpoint to it. And that's why a lot of people miss it. When you take a menu and you hold it in your hand, you have no idea how much work went into this menu, the research, the, the visuals, the photography, the typography, all of that comes into play. But you really don't see that all of that work that's been done. All you see is a finished product. That's the challenge with branding is, is you deliver a finished product and all of that work that was done behind the scene is not visible to, to anybody. And that's why people honestly miss it. Yeah. Uh, and they think, okay, I'll just put it together and, and it's be done and without a whole lot of thought or research. And then it's going to feel to the consumer confusing, but they don't know why it's confusing. And that's that's sort of the piece that, that you can't explain to people very well. And that's the difference between brands and then just a, like a mom and pop or single operators that they don't have the luxury or the means, the financial means to spend that kind of, because it's a very extremely expensive proposition 
to get all of the brand and brand elements to align together from again the logo to the restaurant design to the menu to the uniforms to the sounds to location tvs colors all of that has to kind of work together yeah so one of the things that fascinates me with the story you guys have had is you didn't start the business. You acquired it when you had four or five. And there's a trend called acquisition entrepreneurship that you know people want to celebrate the start so often. But some of the best success stories and the best growth we've ever seen as entrepreneurs are somebody that bought something that had a glimmer and then helped it realize its potential. Why did you decide to, to buy a couple of con- a concept instead of just start from scratch? You hit on a great point, and, and I think it's a challenge for a lot of entrepreneurs that can grow their business from a zero to you know 50 mark, call it, but they can't grow it past that point. So entrepreneurs are great at starting stuff, but the transition from an entrepreneur, owner's run company, to a professionally run company is extremely difficult, and people seem to miss that piece. So we decided to focus, hey, we're not true entrepreneurs, although we are, we're, we're, but we me and my partners all came from professional companies from Procter and Gamble and, and, and Ford Motor Companies. And so we grew up around professional management. To create something from, from scratch is a very difficult proposition. To get something that's already existing that has potential, that's the, the, the space you could play in if you have the expertise of, of professional management background. So entrepreneurs create, but then professional management take it to that next level. And that's honestly has been a success for us is that we took something that's already existing and has a great base, great potential, and we converted it from an entrepreneur enterprise to a professionally management company. And that's really been the secret of our success is hiring the right talents, hiring the right people, understanding our own limitations and having a management team that can uh, compensate for those uh, deficiencies and, and, and off you go. There you go. So you guys have a lot in front of you as you think about the next decade for growth. Where are you planning on taking the business? You know, we're going to continue to uh, grow. Uh, uh, I call it uh, smart, smart growth, calculated growth, and not just by chance. Um, so it's, it's it's trying to be a very controlled growth. So the focus is going to be growing around Cincinnati in a concentric manner, and then to 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 densify our existing DMAs because that helps us from a support perspective and also brand recognition mm-hmm. in the eyes of the consumer. That helps, again, go back to branding. Brand recognition by the consumer is a big deal. So we're going to try to densify wherever we exist and continue to grow concentric from those locations, but in a slow and controlled manner. We've got to be careful with site selection. We've got to be careful with the franchisee selection, the states where we go. Um, all of these things have to sort of work together and then not overwhelm the system. So we have a, a, a our goal in, in, in 2028 is to be at 185 locations. That's sort of our North Star, our long-term goal. And then you step it down to annual goals, three, two, one. And, and so that's the path we have put together. And that's what I, as a CEO, do is just to remind people of that long-term vision and to try to stay on track. And uh, we, we, our board try to hold us accountable for making sure that we stay true to our, our goal and true to our track. That's but right. that's the long-term vision is just to continue to grow um, slow and smart uh, in a manner that could get us to 185 strong uh, franchise locations from the 85 we're at today. Perfect. Well, it's been a pleasure learning about the journey. As I mentioned, it's uh, one of my family's personal favorite restaurants. So thank you for creating a great product, a great brand, and a great experience. Great. Appreciate it. Thank you. 
Thanks so much for listening. If you like the show, hit that rating and make sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. And for more resources, head over to predictingtheturn.com.